to be here again this Sabbath, and um, we've been covering a concept of how to be rich. We've been looking at the different things on not necessarily what to do once we do make that goal of being rich, or how to be rich if it ever happened. And we've been looking at it over the last few weeks, and Neil took the first one, and Jace did an awesome job last week. Um, and we've been studying it slightly differently to what you'd normally do when you're doing a series on money. When I was researching for this uh, talk this morning, I thought to myself, Simo, you like using music in your illustrations and stuff like that, so we're going to do it again. So I thought, right, I'm going to Google, got onto Dr. Google, got onto Google, and I Googled songs about money, or songs having something to do with money. And this is part of the list that came up. Dire Straits, there's a band called Dire Straits. Dire Straits had the song, Money for Nothing. Yeah? Yep. Getting some nods up the back there, thank you. Then there's a stupid band called ABBA. I am not an ABBA fan in any way. Any band that has a name that can be spelt the same in looking at either direction can't be good. But they had the song, no, band, not name, sorry, Hannah. It's all right. <laughs> anyway, ABBA had the song, of course. Someone tell me the song ABBA had. Dancing Queen. Dancing Queen. <laughs> Almost, not quite. Abba had the song, Money, Money, Money. Ain't so funny in a rich man's world. Even their lyrics give chills to, the, to my spine. And then a couple of years ago, a bloke by the name of, I think, let me, I think this is right, Travi McCoy, teamed up with Bruno Mars and delivered the song, I Want to Be a Billionaire. So bad. <laughs> so bad. ACDC, now we're talking. ACDC, what do you do for money, honey, was their song. Michael Jackson even released a song called Money. He was creative. The Beatles, Can't Buy Me Love. Didn't have money in the title, but that's what it's talking about. Kanye West, Gold Digger. It's about money. Um, there's a band called BTO, and those of you that don't know who BTO are, there's a song, Taking Care of Business. There. Um, Gwen Stefani released a song called Rich Girl. Disney even talks about money in their songs, especially in the, in the movie called The Jungle Book. You had one bear called Baloo, and he sang about the bare necessities of life. I was going to launch into song, but I think I might leave it there. No, Cam. <laughs> and then, going back to the 40s, we have the, I think it was the 40s, we have the Jazz Giants, maybe even a bit later than the 40s, but we have the Jazz Giants, and they released a song that had the lyrics of, what I could do, honey, with plenty of money and you. It's money, it's this fascination. And then, this, I think it was this year, or late last year, Finish this one for me. I got bills. I need to... I need to... 
All right, obviously we've got a lot of radio listeners right here. Thanks, Michael and Miss Pratt down the front. I got bills. I need to pay. We have this fixation on money, and it's not just what we as human beings do in our everyday life. We use it for entertainment as well. You look at the movies that get produced, James Bond movies and all that like that, he walks around flashing cash here and there using the MI7, 6, one of them, credit cards and all that kind of stuff. Austin Martins create a lifestyle that we're portrayed in movies. There are two reasons why we've taken time to research and talk about and discuss this topic. And, and one of those reasons are is that we look at the wealthy Australians and we think they're not doing that good a job at being rich. They're not doing that good a job because they seem to get money and a lot of it quite frequently, but there's still a lot of stuff that can be done. What we're trying to do is give you the tools so that we can know how to be rich. And there's, there's one text in particular that I've been focusing on, and I'll throw it up a bit later on, um, and it's Paul, this guy called Paul. Um, Neil talked about Paul before. Paul pretty much wrote half the New Testament, if not a bit more. And he's, he's writing to this and writing with this bloke called Timothy, and he's giving them instructions on what Christians should do once they've reached that magic goal of being rich, whatever or however you define being rich. And if this is your first time, I'm probably already making you uncomfortable because the guy up the front is already talking about money and we're in a church and they usually ask for money all the time. But it's not about that. It's not about that at all. Last week, Jay threw out a, a, um, a number. And it was the average, or not average Australian, if you were to earn $40,000 per year, you would be in the top 1.81% of the richest people in the world. Now that rattles off the tongue quite nicely and I've got it in my notes so I can see it. So I thought, I'm going to use it as an illustration and I've found a website to demonstrate this for us. Let's play that screen capture, please, Neil. Technology, got to love it. So as you can see here, I am searching for Australia. I've just done it and then I've typed in $40,000. And then I hit OK. Here we go. That is what it looks like. 1.8%. And you're the, I think it's 108,474,971 richest person in the world on 40,000 a year. Crazy, isn't it? 1.81%. Now, I've got nothing as in... Maths and me don't really get along, so that's why I had the website to it. But um, when you look at that, it sort of puts it in perspective. While I was Googling for this website, Neil and I um, found this other website um, that said, what's, what's that miner's name, the lady that owns the mines? Gina Reinhart. In a minute that I was doing that exercise on that website, she made over four grand. In a minute. And then, and then it's quite humorous, down the bottom corner of it, it says, guess who makes twice as much as you in a minute sitting on the toilet? People, 
People make money by doing nothing. People make money just by typing stuff into a website. People make money and once they reach that level, they just seem to want more and more and more of it. But most of us do all right. Most of us go all right. Most of us already exceed what our parents did or our grandparents did back in the day. We, we earn a little bit more. We're going all right. And a lot of us have a little bit extra as well, that, that, that rain fund. And, and a lot of our problems, other people in the world would love to have. Now, I've started doing this ever since I started researching it. I've started doing this. When I start complaining about a problem, I tag on the front of it, is this a real problem or is this a rich person problem? Or, in the more modern sense, is this a first world problem? All right? So, once again, I got onto Google and I typed in first world problems. It is a first world problem if I can't open my bag of chips because my fingers are too greasy from the first bag of chips I've eaten. It's a first world problem if everyone in the picture is tagged except for the attractive person I wanted to stalk. High school students, you'd probably get that one. Bought a new shampoo but forgot to take it to the shower. First world problem, I have more clothes than clothes hangers. First world problem, I've typed out my entire password but the text box wasn't selected. First world problem. The sun is too glary for your iPhone, iPad, whatever device, and you can't see it. First world problem. Being out, of, um, being out when a parcel gets delivered, and then you actually have to go to the post office and pick it up. First world problem. What about three wheat bicks not fitting in a round bowl properly, resulting in one becoming extra soggy and the other one totally dry? First world problem. What about when you get those annoying updates from Apple and you update your iPhone and you lose all your contacts? First world problem. Remote control for the TV running out of power because the batteries are flat. First world problem. It's boiling held outside, but the blokes in the office have the aircon on freezing. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. I get it in my household all the time. The aircon's too cold. I've already read that one. My wallet won't close because there's too much money in it. I'd love to have that problem, but anyway. And that's exactly it. So if your first world problem or if your line starts with my car or my pool or my plane tickets or even my housekeeper, is it really a problem or is it something else? Something else. Is it really a problem? I want you to ask yourself, and we're going to practice this, I want you to say after me, I have a rich person problem. Ready? One, two, three. All right, now we sound like we're the Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's all right. I want, you to, I want you to put a bit of bounce in it. I have a rich person problem. That's better. It's just like going into school when you say, good afternoon, kids, and they say, good afternoon, Mr. Hutton, Mr. Gates, you'd get it too. Primary teachers do it all the time. And you feel like, anyway... All right, so here we've admitted we have rich people problems. So whenever you start with the thing, my car, my pool, my plane tickets, I want you to think, do I have a first world problem? Do I have a rich person problem? And then see how bad it is when you start thinking about the other stuff that's happening around the world. 
as I said, we're going to get into this Paul telling Timothy some stuff. And so if Neil can throw up that text for me, mate. This is what Neil presented to us on the first day of this series. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let's pull that apart for a little bit. Command those who are rich in this present world. It's a bit of an odd way to start a text. Present world. What would that suggest? It suggests to me that, the, that Paul, when he's talking to Timothy here, is suggesting that this present world isn't the last world that we're going to have. This present world is the present, and there is a future world somewhere out there. There's a future time somewhere out there. Example, eternity, heaven with God. So for those, command those who are rich in this world, this time, this lifetime, this present time, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let's go to the next one. So Jace opened up this one for us last week. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So the blokes that have lots of money in this present world, command them to go out, do good, share the love, share the money, let it rain. This week, I want to introduce you to verse 19. Hopefully it's there. There it is. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So when I was unpacked, um, pulling apart verse 17 with the present world. This is what leads me to the thought that he's talking about up in heaven. And it says, in this way, you'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. For the age to come, not the present, for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Truly life. When you start to view wealth being rich, when you start to view it through the lens of eternity, it starts to look different. When you start to view it through the lens of forever, you'll, it'll lose its grip on you and you'll open up and start to let it go. I'm going to share a short story with you. It's a kid's story. And it's teaching them about some important uh, values in their life. There once was a dog. For some reason, I took a chapel this week on dogs. Sorry, Lachlan, you're now getting another story about a dog. But there lived a dog, and he was very greedy. There were many times that he had to pay for his greed. And each time, the dog promised himself, I have learnt my lesson. Now I'll never be greedy again. But he soon forgot his promises and was greedy, as greedy as ever. One afternoon, the dog was terribly hungry and he decided to go look for something to eat. Just outside his house, there was a bridge. I will go and look for the food on the other side of the bridge. The food there is definitely better. The grass is greener on the other side, he thought to himself. 
He walked across the wooden bridge and started sniffing around for food. Suddenly, he spotted a bone lying at a distance. Ah, I'm in luck. This, bo uh, this looks at, like a delicious bone, he said. Without wasting any time, the hungry dog picked up the bone and was just about to eat it when he thought, somebody might see, see me here with this bone and then I'll have to share it with them. So I had better go home and eat it. Holding the bone in his mouth, he ran towards his house. While crossing the wooden bridge, the dog looked down at the river and there he saw his own reflection. The foolish dog mistook it for another dog. There's another dog in the water with a bone in its mouth he thought. Greedy as he was, he thought. How nice it would be to snatch that piece of bone as well. Then I'll have two bones. So the greedy dog looked at his reflection and he growled. The reflection growled back too. This made the dog angry. He looked down at his reflection and barked, woof, woof, and his mouth opened and the bone in his mouth fell into the river. It was only when the water splashed that the greedy dog realised that what he, had been, what he had seen was nothing but his own reflection and not another dog, but it was too late. He had lost the piece of bone because of his greed. And now he will go hungry. So here we have this dog on the bridge. He's barking in his own reflection. He opens his mouth to bark and the bone drops into the creek. And now he's got nothing. It's very interesting that this story, it, I just looked up, once again, Dr. Google, looked up stories on greed for kids. And that's what came up. It's very interesting that if you put it in the context of this text, we have exactly the same sort of story happening, but just in three verses. And then I thought, well, I might not get my point across as well as I thought it would. And then I thought, well, I'm going to use a snow globe. Let's get that picture of a snow globe up for me. Thank you. Here we have a snow globe. Snow globes are lovely, aren't they? They just make you feel all wintry and nice. But snow globes, particularly in different areas that you're in, unless you're in a tourist shop and then they've got a picture of the Eiffel Tower or whatever else, typically snow globes come out at Christmas time. And snow globes are often um, filled with houses and I think there's people skating on a, on a lake there and there's a horse-drawn thing over there and a bridge with water and it's just lovely. It's your, it's your ideal picture of what life could be like. And if you see snow globes lined up about 10 long and you're wondering which one you're going to get, quite often, it's funny how the human, excuse me, it's funny how the human mind works, but quite often you'll choose the one that you think your life would be awesome to be like. And so you choose the snow globe and you think, wow, oh, that'd be great. And you want your life to be like that snow globe. You want, you want the, the, the snow white Christmas. You want the Christmas trees. You want the big house with the multi-stories and, and skating around on the pond and a lovely time. You want it all. You want the Bugattis. You want the Lamborghinis. You want the airplane. You want the, the bank accounts. You want the, I don't know, timeshare. You want the unit in the Whit Sundays. You want everything. We accumulate. We try and get as much as we can, just like the dog on the bridge. We try and get that second bone. We try and get more. We try and get more. We try and get more. But we don't get credit for what we leave behind. We don't get credit for what we leave behind. And the best line that I could come up with, with a bit of help from 
a bit of research was everyone leaves the same amount. We try and accumulate so much in our lifetime, but we all leave the same amount. Everything. We leave it all. We leave it all. It's not like there's a competition happening and then once we get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, look how much you've got. Let me shake your hand. Star. Legend. Richest person ever. No, he's not. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to be rich toward God. I've talked about different possessions and stuff like that, but I want you to think about this statement. Be rich towards God. There's another Bible verse that I want to talk about. And um, Jace talked about the beginning of it last week in Luke chapter 12. And in Luke chapter 12, let me set the scene a little bit. Jesus has just told the story of, of the farmer guy that had too much or, or a bumper crop that he had too much stuff to store in his storehouses. So he built new ones and accumulated everything. And at the end of all that, Jesus says this, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Let's go to verse 34. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Let me, let me repeat that line that I said before. Think about this. Rich towards God. Where your treasure is, where your concern is, is where your heart will be also. I was going to get um, $20 bills and all that kind of stuff and do, do the illustration that way. But I figured what I might do is just do it this way. Bear with me for a second. Cam, can you come up the front for me? Oh, I didn't rip up the page. I'm going to... It's all right. Count these out for me. Just make sure I've got enough. Nine. Oh, I need one more. There's a reason why I didn't go the $20 notes. Because it just doesn't have to be... You're losing them. Make sure there's 10 there. There's a reason why I didn't go the $20 notes, and that is I wanted to draw the illustration of it doesn't have to be money that we're talking about. One more. It's a big one. All right. Traditionally in church, we're taught to give 10%. So if you've got 10 sheets of paper there, Cam, what's 10% of that? The one on the ground. Very good. You're very... One. Thank you. Very good. So traditionally we get taught, we make that and we give, we give one away. We give one away. Done. You've given one away. Very good. And then we sort of pray about it and say, God, what do you want me to do with the other nine? And then we sit there and listen. Not a lot happens. So we think, beauty, I've got nine left. And then we go off and do our own sort of thing. And then 
we might end up getting these things turning into even bigger ones. So instead of, let's say, they're $1 bills, they might be $10 bills. So we do exactly the same thing. We give the one, and then we ask God in the process. That's, that's the leftover notes. Yeah. So we do the same thing. And then sometimes, thanks, man, sometimes we get a bit crazy. And, and Cam might decide, oh, I'm going give to him, give him, I don't know, four Another one, there we go. I'm going to give him four. And then we start getting nervous. And we're thinking, what? That's a bit different. (laughs) All right. It's safer if you just put them down over there. No, all good. Thanks, Cam. Give Cam a round of applause. He, He counted out well. But as those things grow, we sometimes think, what's going on as in we we give out we give our one we give our twos and whatever else and then we start to give more and we start to get a bit nervous and some and we have all been blessed by families that have been starting to give like that we've been blessed with families that do give more than that one we've been blessed this church has been blessed by by the giving and then we might find out who they are and we think, well, that's pretty good, but they're so normal. We, we realise that they're wealthy, but they're so normal because they don't realise, or the people that give realise, that they want to be rich towards God. But some of you are thinking, ah, Simo, we know what you're up to. You're up the front of church and, and you're going to give, you're talking about giving to the church. I haven't said give to the church at all. I've just said give. In fact, we were instructed in the, in the New Testament, here he is, Luke, and we go to verse 33, we were instructed, and multiple times we're instructed, to give it to who? This is interactive. Give it to the poor. At no point have I said, give it to the church. Give it to the poor. Churches can be facets in which the, it gets dealt out to the poor and whatever else. But if I were to leave tomorrow, if I were to leave refreshed tomorrow, because this is the worst sermon I've ever done and you guys are going to rope me up in the whatever, if I were to leave this church tomorrow, there is something, there is one thing that I want you to remember. I want God to have your heart. I want God to have your heart. And I know that if, if God has your heart, then he has your wealth as well. If God has your heart, then he has your wealth as well. You never miss money that you give away. You never miss money that you give away. Courtney and I went over to visit her grandparents the other night, and um, randomly, I don't know why, but Harold, her grandfather, told me a story, or told us a story. And her grandfather told me the story that when he was in WA, um, he's a pastor, um, accountant person for the church for many years. He's retired now. But when they used to live in WA, they bought a house. And they had the usual, um, usual issue with the uh, neighbouring property with fences and stuff like that, how we want to build 50-50 fences and all this. So he went and saw her, he saw the lady, and the lady pretty much just blew up in his face and said, I'm not paying 50-50, blah, 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 all the usual sort of stuff. And Harold took it on the chin, walked away, built the fence anyway. 
build it himself, put the piles in and all that kind of stuff. They came to a significant uh, event that they had at their church and um, it has been their tradition themselves to give a week's wages at this thing. They've been doing it for years. Gave a week's wages away to uh, the church to keep its ongoing mission. And he, he said, that was cool. We had three kids at the time. Things were pretty tight. Um, and yeah, they, they just did it because that's what they've done. 12 months, this was 12 months after the whole fence incident. The next week, the lady that blew up in his face, the next week, the lady came down and handed him an envelope. Handed him an envelope and said, I was a so-and-so to you. I, I wasn't very nice to you. And when Harold opened the envelope, in it was the exact amount of the money they gave. Exact amount. Amazing stuff. Amazing true story. He told me that, uh, I think it was Thursday night. And I didn't even tell him that I was doing a sermon on money or anything like that. God provides in, in weird ways. God is mysterious, no doubt about it. But you never miss money that you give away. Sometimes you miss money that you spend. Sometimes you miss money that you waste. Sometimes you miss money that you um, squindle, whatever else. But you never miss money that you give. You never miss money that you give. You know how to be rich? Summon this thing, whole thing up, last three weeks. You want to know how to be rich? Be rich towards God by being rich towards those he loves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you do for us. You provide us with so much. You provide us with a school. You provide us with a church. You provide us with friends, family, food, and everything. And I don't know everyone's situation here, but Lord, we want to offer up ourselves to you. We want to be rich by being rich towards others. We want to serve with our time. We want to give our money. We want to, we want to just be involved with you because that's the example that your son gave to us. Lord, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In your name, amen.